Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our texted number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful to you that you are a God that has come to save. We thank you for this space and this time. We thank you for moments to reflect that you are here with us, that when we are gathered as your people, there's a unique presence that is available to us as you come to us through faith and Holy Spirit as you make yourself aware and known to us. And we pray tonight as we look at the message that you have delivered to your people and to us that it would sink deep into our heart and affect how we behave and it would affect how we treat people, it would affect the way that we live our life, that we would focus on the right message in a world of many different messages, that we would see your good news as that good news. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this evening we begin episode two of our new sermon series, which is more of a campaign because all four Crossbridge campuses are gathering together and unifying together for this entire year around Focus One. And if you have a prayer card, who had a prayer card? Pull it out, pull it out, wave it up in the air, wave it like you just don't care. That was supposed to be funny. No one laughed. (laughs) It's a play joke, but on the front, you can see that there's a mantra. There is a, a mission that we are engaging in for this entire year, and it's being framed here in the next few weeks. And that is, We want to be one life, and that's you and me, one life focused for one year on one message to make not a different, but a difference. 
That's a typo, obviously. In one city through the life of one person. And we put that typo there on purpose because the message of the gospel is grace. So we're asking for grace (laughs) from you. But hey, we've given you this uh, because we are calling on the church and all of us to engage in an adventure of faith to focus on one person for a year and to pray for that person. That's how we're beginning this campaign. And so this is uh, for you to write the name of the person that God puts on your heart and then to begin a a 30-day prayer campaign with scripture verses. If you want the entire prayer guide with written out prayer, uh, prayers for each day, you just go to crossbridgefamily.com. There's a link on the top and you can download the PDF to your phone, to your computer. You can print it out however you would like to use it. But we believe that God is calling us to focus on someone, to pray for them, and to engage them uh, with the message of Jesus Christ. And there's a little tear-off card here, which is a business card you can put in your wallet, you can put on the dash of your car if you commute long distances like many in Miami do, or on your bird scooter, whatever you want to do, you could put it there to remind you of who God has called you uh, to focus on. And so we, want, we hope that you engage in that this year, and especially in the next 30 days as we pray together for many different people across the landscape of our city uh, that may hear the message of Jesus. Last week, we launched the campaign, and we said, what is the mission? What, where did this mission statement for the church of 2020 at Crossbridge come from? It comes from Jesus' commission, the great commission that he gives to his disciples to his church, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He calls us to go. His last commandment, his last charge to the church is to go make disciples so that lives can be changed and the church can be built. Very important that we see that. You know, Jesus in his earthly ministry of three years spent time with 12 disciples. The vast majority of his time and attention was focused on 12 men prayed with them, taught them, spent time with them, walked alongside them, ate with them, fished with them, lived life with 12. And we said last week, we're nowhere near Jesus, so we're going to start with one. We're just going to focus on one, not 12, and really take Jesus's mission seriously. Begin this adventure of faith of focusing on one message and one person to see a city changed and a life changed. And so tonight, we're going to look at the message. What is the one message that we are called to deliver? We want to get practical in a bit, but it's important that we get this right. You see, you can focus on one person and go to one person and seek to make a disciple of them, but if you don't know what you're making them into, and if you don't know the message that should serve as the foundation for your interaction, your prayer, your engagement with them, you're going to lead them astray and you're going to be left astray as well because the message that you found in your heart and your life and you preach to yourself is so important we have to get it right. Because what you believe affects your behavior. Whatever you believe about yourself, about other people, about God, about life, about success will affect how you behave. We all know this is true because we think back on our childhood and we think about the phases and the behavior that we had and we say, why did I believe that was cool? Why did I believe that was good? I went through many different phases and I wanted to believe everything. I don't know if you're a person like me, but there's so many different cultural pressures when you're a kid and in high school around 
sophomore year, junior year of high school, I wanted to believe that everything that was cool was good and right. And so I took on a persona that was athlete jock, rapper, emo kid, and skater all wrapped into one. So if you want to know how I kind of put the vibe out there, I wore a polo shirt, pop collar, remember those days? If you're really going next level, two polo shirts, different colors, both pop collar. Then you get a little curve cologne. You guys remember curve cologne? Put some curve cologne, the cheapest stuff they got. They sell it in the little kiosk in the middle of the mall. You get that on. Then I'm driving with two 10-inch subwoofers in tubes for that real deep bass in the back that I got from the swap shop in Broward County because I'm listening to Little John and I'm pulling up in style at school with the pop collars, curve cologne, Little John bumping because I want them to know I'm here. At the same time, I'm listening to Dashboard Confessionals and Taking Back Sunday because I want to be sad for no reason, because I'm emo. I'm wearing SB Dunks, Nike Dunks, because I'm a skater and I'm going to Warp Tour and I'm wearing clothes that I got from Goodwill when I go there because you don't wear the double pop collar with curved cologne at Warp Tour. I'm putting, I mean, this is like a whole vibe, you know, that I'm trying to figure out and uh, it's not a very good one, but what I believed that this was cool. I believed that this was good and right, and I would be accepted, and I'd be popular, and I'd be like everyone else, and I'd fit in, really, in every crowd, because I just kind of took everything on. But it's not only true when you're a kid. Like, we all have those phases that if people really saw what we did and what we believed and how we acted, we would be embarrassed. I have the opportunity to share those things with you on Sunday. But it's not just when you're a kid. Right? What you believe now about success and relationships and God, spirituality, other people, the world, the government, what you believe affects how you behave. And so it is so important that we get right what we believe, especially about God and ourselves and other people. We have to get that message right because if we don't get it right, everything else will be wrong. All of our behavior, all of our actions will be wrong. We have to focus on the message. And so tonight, we are looking into the letter written to Timothy. It's 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul writes and pens this letter as an instruction to him. I want to give you a little background so you know kind of what's taking place. Timothy is a disciple of Paul. Paul has focused on Timothy spent years with him, saw Timothy come to faith and grow in the faith, and he mentored him because Timothy felt called to be like Paul and to be in the full-time ministry. And so Paul is walking alongside Timothy and praying with him and teaching him and training him, and eventually he begins to send Timothy out on missions without Paul there. There's a lot to do as the church is growing, it's the very beginnings of the church, and there are times where Paul says to Timothy, you go instead of me and address the issue. That's where this letter comes from. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, I want you to go to Ephesus. There's a church in Ephesus that's really important, a vibrant church. God is doing great things, but there are church leaders that have arisen with authority and power and influence that are preaching a different message. They're reinterpreting Scripture, and it says that they're believing myths. 
And they're bringing all of that into the church, and they're saying, remember what Paul said, remember what Timothy said, remember what all of these other leaders said, that's not the true message of Jesus, that's not what it means to be a Christian, that's not what it means to really grow in your spiritual faith and life, that's not the path of salvation, you need to listen to us, it looks different. So they were saying things like, you can't get married, you can't eat certain foods, And they were also bringing in all of these other outside messages and noise that was circling around the city and bringing it into the church, and it's called Gnosticism. This is actually the very beginnings of this belief system called Gnosticism that was very prevalent in the early church from about 150 A.D. to the 300 A.D.s. It's the chief heresy facing the church. In fact, the Nicene Creed is the creed gathered together by God's people to establish what it is that we believe so that the Gnostics could be rooted out of the church. But here in Ephesus, it's the very beginnings of that. Now, Gnosticism is a very complex belief system with a lot of different forms and takes a lot of different shapes. But here's essentially what Timothy was walking into. He's walking into this belief system that is focused on knowledge. Gnosticism actually means knowledge. But it's a, it's a particular knowledge. You see, what Gnostics would have said, Christian Gnostics as well, these leaders in the church, is that there is a secret knowledge that you can find. And if you find this secret knowledge, it will ignite this divine spark within you and you will achieve enlightenment or salvation. You will be whole. You'll be full spiritually. The thing that we all desire. It's a secret knowledge to find and attain that will ignite a divine spark within you. You see, its roots come from Eastern ideologies, Hinduism, Buddhism, as well as ancient philosophy, Platonic philosophy, philosophy from Plato, and Christian principles. It all comes together to create this belief system called Gnosticism. And what would have been shared would have sounded spiritual. It would have sounded kind of true to the message of Christianity, to the truth claims of Christianity. For instance, a very important Judeo-Christian belief is that we are made in the image of God, imago Dei, that all people are deserving of respect and dignity because all people are made in God's image. And therefore, all people are created with a desire and a yearning to connect with their creator. The message of the gospel is that the pathway to connect with the creator is through Jesus Christ, through faith in his life, his death, and his resurrection. But see, the Gnostics would say, it's not about you being made in the image of God. It's about a divine essence or spark or energy that is within you. And if you can unlock that, you will find God within yourself. God is not out there. God is in here. Sounds very spiritual. It's attractive to many because it's focused on the individual. It's focused on you and your enlightenment and your salvation and the the energy and the spirituality within you and unlocking that and kind of elevating that. It's focused on personal growth and development. It sounds very new age. You see, the New Age movement that's taking place currently in the Western world, predominantly in countries like America, 
finds its roots in Gnosticism. Same background, background, Eastern ideologies, ancient philosophies like Platonic philosophy, Stoicism, and Christian principles wrapped together to create a belief system that says there's a divine spark within you, there's an energy within you, there's a spiritual essence within you, and if you just follow these practices, if you engage in these rituals, if you do these things, you will unlock that and you will experience an enlightenment by obtaining this secret knowledge. Some of the most prevalent books today are New Age or Gnostic, The Power of Now, The Four Agreements, The Secret. You see, we are actually experiencing right now a rebirth of Gnosticism branded as this New Age movement. We're under a new canopy in our culture. We talked a little bit about this last week, that the old canopy that used to cover America is gone, Christendom. We don't live in a Christian society anymore. We're in a weird state because we're not a non-Christian society and we're not a post-Christian society. We're on this weird march to post-Christian culture and our canopy has been completely changed. You see, Christendom provided this to the society, boundaries to faith. It provided clarity to salvation and a very specific doctrine of who God is and sin and who humans are. Clear, precise. And under that canopy of Christendom, you were given the opportunity to either accept it or reject it. But that canopy is gone. And our new canopy that covers our country and our society and our culture rejects boundaries. There are many ways to salvation. And there's, there's really no set doctrine of God and man and sin. It's whatever doctrine you create for yourself because you're trying to unlock some spiritual essence and divine spark within you as you seek to find the secret knowledge that you need to find. It's maybe different for someone else than it is for you, but when you find it, you'll be enlightened and you'll be whole and you'll be full and you will be elevated spiritually. That's the canopy that we live under. Things are very different. And so we have a culture where many people are looking to experience God and to unlock this secret knowledge through all different types of means. Astrology, crystals, chakras, spirit channeling, psychic readings, tarot cards, spiritual meditation guides, whatever it may be. And many of you have experienced that. You've dived into it. You've engage some of those practices, and certainly all of us here know people that are engaged in those things. How different that is than 30, 40 years ago. No one would have been walking around saying, yeah, I, I, I use crystals, or I'm going to a spirit channeling session later today. So that would have been hidden in the shadows, but now it is out in the open and it is accepted. In fact, Brickle City Center every year on Earth Day, there's a New Age worship service where hundreds of people gather together and worship themselves. We're in an interesting place in time. And this passage is so timely because this is exactly what Timothy is going to face when he walks into Ephesus. People that have all different kind of thoughts about how you engage God and how you achieve enlightenment or salvation and that secret knowledge you got to find and they're all trying different things and everyone's accepting everyone else's different things because it's about you. 
And the Apostle Paul writes to him, and he says, I want to instruct you and prepare, for, prepare you how to engage a culture like that. So as you think about the person that God is calling you to engage in that same culture, this is important. It's very similar. So what does the Apostle Paul say? He's going to say, focus on the message. Focus on the one message. Look at verse 12 through 16. Apostle Paul writes to Timothy as this instruction, as he enters this environment, this Gnostic environment, similar to our New Age environment. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Amen. Can we get a round of applause for that? Come on. That's good news. We live in a world of a lot of noise, guys. A lot of noise, a lot of messages, a lot of paths to salvation. And here's what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. Pay that no mind. Don't seek to confront every different belief system and every different practice and every different thought about who God is. Focus on the message. You see, he was walking into an environment that's very similar to the environment that we live in now, which is an environment where faith and spirituality, spirituality is more about energy than truth. It's more about energy than truth. Faith is directed inward instead of outward towards God, and repentance is driven by karma, not freedom from sin. It's the environment that he's walking into and the environment that we live in, and the Apostle Paul says, do not think that you need to come up with all these logical solutions and all these answers to debunk every different thought process and every different spiritual practice. Do not confront it. Just focus on the message. Because the message of Jesus, the truth that is found in the message of Jesus is not relative, its beauty is incomparable, and its power is unmatched. You don't need to find all the answers and to know everything and to figure out walking away from this sermon and say Gnosticism and New Age crystals, I don't know any of this, so I guess I'm going to be ineffective. No, just focus on the message. So that's the Apostle Paul's story, right? The Apostle Paul was driven by this desire to be, feel accepted by God and his peers. And he thought, what he believed was that if he was the most dedicated, zealous Jewish leader and teacher, he would experience some salvation or some enlightenment. He would unlock that knowledge that makes him feel accepted and loved by God and his peers. And so he was driven to protect the Jewish faith by killing Christians. 
His life was devoted to persecuting and rounding up and jailing Christians as the church is just beginning. And he is on the road one day to Damascus to persecute some Christians, and he meets Jesus Christ. And what he doesn't encounter is a seminar on all of his faulty beliefs. He just encounters the message, and it changes his life. Because its truth is not relative, its beauty is incomparable, and its power is unmatched, and his life is changed. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, you experienced that. I experienced that. Don't get caught up in all the arguments and all the noise and all the different messages. Just focus on the message. Just get the message right. Focus on that. Because it's a fundamentally different message. He says, God has judged me faithful. He's telling a story. The Apostle Paul, God has judged me faithful, and yet I don't deserve it. I mean, I was a blasphemer. I was persecuting God's people. And yet, God judged me faithful and found me and saved me. Through faith in Jesus Christ, I've received grace. He lays it out here in verse 15 and 16, so clear. He says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I receive mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You see, he tells Timothy to focus on the message because it's a fundamentally different message. The New Age movement or the Gnostic movement has this message. If you want to find God or energy or you want to be spiritually enlightened, you have to engage these spiritual practices to unlock the divine spark within you. You've got to do this to unlock it. Every other religion has a very similar equation. You want to connect with God, your creator and maker? Here are your religious practices to engage in, and as long as you follow them well, you essentially unlock this door to be accepted and connected to God. The message of Jesus is a completely different equation. There's no amount of knowledge, there's no amount of spiritual practices or religious practices that you can do to unlock anything to discover and connect with God. You don't find God. God finds you. That's the message of the gospel. You see what he says here in verse 15? This is deserving of full acceptance and it's trustworthy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You don't save yourself by doing something. God comes to save you. Now, from your vantage point, it may seem as if you've discovered God because you started going back to church, and you started reading your Bible, and through all of that, you came to see the, the truth and the beauty and the power of the message of Jesus, but it's God's mercy orchestrating your steps, and He's running after you. He finds you. So it's a fundamentally different message, and so you don't have to compete with all the noise. You can just focus on the message because it's so different that God comes to find you. You, and he comes to find you for a reason. 
The Apostle Paul says that he received this mercy from God for a reason, and the reason is that through his life, other people might see the patience of Jesus. Like, essentially, the Apostle Paul is saying, if I can be saved, anyone can be saved, and I want people to see that in my life. It's a fundamentally different message, and when you really believe this, that you are found by God and changed by God and sent by God, it awakens you. It awakens you. You don't need to have every single argument and belief system that you previously had debunked because this message will change your life. It will change your behavior because your belief structure will change if you actually believe the truth of what is found here. It will awaken you because you realize that of nothing of your own doing, God came and rescued you. He came to save you. He found you, and He changed your life. And because your beliefs were changed, now your behavior begins to change, and you are sent for a reason. You are saved for a reason. See, a lot of us stop at found, changed, and then we're like, not sent yet. Found by God, yes. Changed by God, yes. Sent by God, in 10 years. That's scary. That's the scary part for a lot of us. We stop at changed because, if we're honest, we've been influenced by this new age mindset, which, which sounds like this. I'm found by God. I'm changed by God. And I'm sent to grow personally. I'm sent to focus on my own discipleship instead of the discipleship of others. I'm sent to focus on myself. I have to focus on myself, Carter, before I go to anyone else. That's not the message of Jesus. That is very new age. Focus on yourself, your personal development, your personal growth, your spiritual life and health. Now, those things aren't bad, but if that's where you stop, if that's what you believe it means to be sent, which is that you're sent to yourself, you're missing the message. Jesus says, Go make disciples of all nations. He doesn't say, go make a better disciple of yourself. You see, you can become a Christian right this second, and you are sent to other people. You don't need any amount of spiritual maturity. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the knowledge. You don't have to be the best example. You're found, you're changed, and you're sent to other people. That's the message of Jesus. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on others. You know, a lot of times I hear this from people, they say things like, I feel really stagnant in my faith. I'm going to ask you to be bold. Raise your hand if you've had times. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand now if you're feeling this, but raise your hand if you had times where you feel stagnant in your faith. Stagnant. Hey, listen, I have too, okay? We all have. There's times where you feel like, you know what? Month after month, maybe year after year, it kind of feels like more of the same. Go to church, sing songs, hear a sermon. Maybe I'll write a note down. I try to read the Bible during the week. I'll pray a few times, do a serve project. Try to join a community group when it fits my schedule. Try to be nice to people. Try, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do all these things. It just kind of feels like the same thing all the time. I feel kind of stagnant. I feel kind of dry. If you feel that way, it's most likely because you are focused on yourself. If you feel stagnant and dry and your faith is boring, it's because you're focused on yourself. 
Because it's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is that God comes to find you and he changes you by his grace and his love and his patience. He calls you faithful even when you're not and he sends you out. Jesus' charge is to go to other people. You see, we, we get that twisted and we think, I need to focus on myself, my own discipleship, and then I will take that seriously and I will go out to other people and I'll make disciples of other people. If you engage in that, you're going to be stagnant in your faith and you're going to be bored. But when you actually focus on other people and when you engage other people, you yourself will grow as a disciple. You will grow more focusing on other people than focusing on yourself. Because that's the message. Found, changed, sent. But we kind of get lost in that sometimes. The Apostle Paul gives us something in 2 Corinthians 5 that's really heartwarming and reassuring. He says to the church in Corinth, he says, we are all ambassadors, not just me, we are all ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. Can you read that with me? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. It's the plural, us. We are ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Sometimes we are afraid to really be sent, to really go to people, to make disciples, to bring them the message because we think we're making an appeal for God. We think it's on us. Well, God, I know I'm not, I mean... (laughs) They look at my life, my skeletons. It's not going to be a good example for you, so let me clean myself up first. If they ask me pretty much any question, I don't know if I'll have the answer. So I'll just tell them that I'll connect them to my pastors. And they'll, you know, they'll, they know this. But you're an ambassador of God, and God is making an appeal through you. See, the adventure of faith, the excitement of faith that God calls you into is that if you believe the message of Jesus and the charge that he gives you, that you're found by God, you're changed by God, and you're sent to other people, the adventure is that you get to see God make his appeal to other people through you, where you think to yourself, I I don't know how that happened. I don't even know why I said that. It didn't make any sense to me, but it made sense to them. See, God is making his appeal through you. It's not on you. You're not going to mess it up. God's making his appeal. You are not making your appeal for God. So I want to ask you again, who for 2020 are you focusing on? Who has God called you to focus on? It's that one person I want to give some encouragement, um, practical encouragement, as you consider that, because I talked to a a bunch of people this week and had a a sentiment, which was, I I don't really know, you know, I feel like God's maybe shared a couple people with me, but I'm not really sure, I'm still thinking about it, I'm still praying about it. I want you to know that we're praying for you as a church, that God would make that known. I want to ask you to be sensitive to the Spirit, as God gives you one person, But I also want to encourage you to not put a box around God and who He gives you. This week, I was considering, God, who do you want me to focus on? 
It was the one person. And this one name kept coming back into my mind. And here's what I was thinking. Nah, not that person. That's like a 40-year project. <laughs> like, I mean, I want to be able to like say at the end of the 2020, and the person that I focused on is right here. And everyone's like, wow. And then, you know, you probably feel the same way. The person I've been thinking is like, man, that's, that seems kind of pointless. Like, so far away from God. Not interested in any way, shape, or form. That's later. God's got to break them down a little bit. But God kept bringing that person into my mind. And I eventually surrendered and said, okay, God, like I'm terrified to focus on this person, but you obviously will not take this person away from my mind. And shame on me for putting a box around you. The Apostle Paul is saved on the road to Damascus as he's on his way to persecute Christians. And he says, look at my story and look at my life. Jesus is patient and his grace can change lives. So maybe there's someone that you're like, I don't, that person, no way. That's probably the person that God's calling you to focus on. Or maybe you thought, well, the person I keep thinking about, they're, they're kind of already spiritual. They got their thing, they got their practices, and they seem like they're doing pretty good, so they wouldn't be interested in, you know, talking about faith or maybe coming to church or my community group, or I just think that probably someone else would be better. God keeps bringing you that person to your mind. Focus on them. Listen, if they're already spiritual, that's exciting because it's going to be unique conversations. You're going to be exposed to a whole other world, and you get to do what Timothy did, which is just focus on the message and see what God does as he makes his appeal through you. Or maybe you thought, I keep thinking of this one person, but they already go to church or they go to mass. And, you know, they say they believe in God and they have Christian, you know, Christian as their label on Facebook. So I guess I should go somewhere else. If God keeps bringing you that person, focus on them. Because newsflash, there are a lot of people in church that don't really believe in Jesus. Just because you go to the altar and you say, I do, doesn't mean that you have a healthy marriage. Just because you go to church and you say you believe in God and you believe in Jesus doesn't mean that you have a healthy faith or that it's actually genuine. So if God is giving you someone that you think is too spiritual or too religious or too far gone, be sensitive to the Spirit and focus on them. And focus on the message. Not having all the answers, not debunking all the different thoughts and doubts they have. Just focus on the message. Because when you just share and show the message of Jesus to them, they will see as God works through you and makes his appeal through you that its truth is not relative, its beauty is incomparable, and its power is unmatched. And there's so much to see of what that looks like. So I want to give you three very practical steps. So if you have a phone, if you have a notepad, I hope you can write this down and you can engage in the one person God calls you to this way. And the first way is to be faithful. The Apostle Paul says the message of Jesus is that he was proved faithful. God was faithful to him even when he was faithless. So be faithful. Be faithful to your friend. Be faithful to the person that God calls you to focus on, which means be intentional. 
Be intentional to set up time with them to get together after work or for lunch or on the weekends. Be intentional to go deeper in conversation than you're accustomed to. Be available to them. Respond to text messages. Accept that invite that you don't really want to accept. Don't ghost them for two weeks like we're accustomed to doing as a culture. Ghost means you just don't respond. It's like a trendy way, you know, <laughs> trying to be. Be intentional. Be available. And I think this is important. Being faithful means not giving up. Don't give up. God didn't give up on you, and he won't. Don't give up on them. There are times where you'll feel like it's pointless. There are times you feel like you're making no headway. There are times you feel like, hey, I'm really like engaging and investing in this friendship, and it's not being reciprocated. There are times where they will get on your nerves. Don't give up. Be faithful. And be patient. The Apostle Paul says that through his life changes, he believes a message of Jesus and he receives God's grace that people will see the patience of Jesus in his life. See, God is patient with us. So we should be patient with the people that God has called us to. Patient with their shortcomings, patient with their doubts, patient with their choices, patient with all the times they say no to your invitations to church and other places. Patient with God. There are going to be times where you're praying for this person and you feel like, God, are, can you make your appeal through me? Like, <laughs> it's been a while. Patient. God knows what he's doing. This may rub some people the wrong way, but I'm going to say it. And that is, because we're under a new canopy, the old evangelism strategies, the old strategies of sharing your faith, things like the four laws and Evangelism Explosion and Roman Road. You may not be accustomed with these, but these are like packaged evangelism strategies that you learn and you memorize and you share with people. Those are largely ineffective. Now, God can use anything, and they can be helpful to provide some examples and illustrations, but because we're under a new canopy, those are largely ineffective. But you know what the greatest strategy for evangelism is in 2020? Patience patience. We live in a world where patience is rare. We want everything fast. Fast cars, fast internet, fast coffee, fast romance, fast faith, fast work promotion. We want everything fast, and our expectation is, is that when we are not delivering what someone else wants, they will quickly move away from us. And when we are not getting what we want, we will move away from that. We want everything fast, and we don't stay. And when you just stay in a friendship, when you stay in a relationship with someone, when you are focusing, even when they know that you're frustrated, that breaks down walls, and that's powerful. So be patient. And then lastly, be gracious. Be gracious with them. They're going to do things and say things and make choices that just drive you nuts but they have a different belief system than you and different standards than you, and therefore their behavior will be different. So don't worry about their behavior. Worry about their beliefs. Focus on the message. Be gracious with them, but also be gracious to yourself. This is so important. Be gracious to yourself. 
There will be a time where if you are really engaging on the adventure of faith and you are focusing on someone and you're being intentional and available and patient and you're being mindful to bring up spiritual conversations and you're inviting them to church and you're seeking to really take Jesus seriously, that they will ask you a question and you will not have the answer. That will happen a lot. Be gracious with yourself. Say, that's a really good question. I've never thought of that. I don't know the answer to that, but I'll take this week and research it and think about it. Let's get back together next week. Be gracious with yourself. There will be times where you're spending time together with this person and you feel the Holy Spirit tell you, say that, ask that question, and you're going you're gonna to think, I should, I should, and you're going to say, no, 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 that's going to be weird. And you're not going to. Be gracious with yourself. You're not making an appeal for God. God's making his appeal through you. You're not going to mess up what God is doing in that person's life because you were afraid to take that step. Be gracious with yourself. And then lastly, I think this is probably most important, there will be many times where if you're focusing on someone and seeking to bring them the message of Jesus, that you will feel like you serve as a horrible example of a Christian. You will think to yourself, they saw me at work when I yelled at that person. They, they were with me on Friday night. That's embarrassing. You will think, I, I messed it up. They, they obviously see how messed up I am. There's no way they would believe the message of Jesus. Be gracious with yourself because the most powerful testimony of the grace and message of Jesus is someone who doesn't have it all together and is relying on Jesus for forgiveness and healing. Be gracious with yourself. You see, the call here to Timothy and to us as we engage this culture, as we focus on someone, is to focus on the message. Not the noise, not debunking every argument. Focus on the message and preach it to yourself first. Tell yourself, God, thank you for being faithful to me. You are intentional and you are available and you never give up on me. God, thank you for being patient with me with all my shortcomings and all my doubts and all my issues. God, thank you for being gracious with me. See, when you preach that message to yourself, when you remind yourself of that message every single day, and that is the root and core of your beliefs, it will affect your behavior, and your behavior will be, I'm an ambassador of God. I want to see God make his appeal through me. So I'm going to be patient with my friends. I'm going to be faithful to them, and I'm going to be gracious with them. I want to take up this adventure of faith. I don't want to be bored anymore. I want to see what God's going to do through me when I really take his word seriously and focus on one person and bring the message to them. So we do that together this year, church. Let's pray. God, I want to confess to you that I, I read your word every week and I prepare to share your word with your people, but God, I need to hear it personally. I need to preach it to myself, Lord. I need to sense and remind myself that you're faithful and you're patient and you're gracious because sometimes I, I doubt that. God, if anyone in here struggles with that, with really believing the truth and the beauty and the power 
of your gospel. Would you awaken that in us this evening? Would you excite us with the mission that you've called us to? Would you give us boldness and courage? Would you help us to feel free that it's not on us, but it's on you working through us? We'd just be excited to see what you're going to do in the life of people this year in this city. So we pray, God, that we would engage with joy, not guilt, joy, in this mission that you call us to. And we'd be founded upon this message. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.